Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Rory, technically you are world number one. I'm just curious, do you feel like you're the best player in the world right now? Yes. Right, they're very concise by Rory McIlroy. You're going to be hearing more from on the Fairways of Life show today. Hope you guys are doing well. It is time for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, now called the WM Phoenix Open. Can you imagine being a part of it outside of Phoenix where you have this event, which annually attracts hundreds of thousands of people, and this was way before golf all of a sudden became incredibly popular through COVID and all the rest. And thankfully it did, right? No doubt about that. But this event has always been like that, at least in modern years. Andrew has the times up there so you can see exactly when it all gets underway. 3 p.m. Eastern time. The first two rounds in Golf Channel. Saturday at 1 p.m. Golf Golf Channel and 3 p.m. on CBS. Sunday, same thing. Ending times vary, but the start times are the same. 1 p.m. on Golf Channel and 3 p.m. on CBS. This is the 85th WM Phoenix Open. Let that sink in for a second. It's the 85th. Ralph Ralph Goodyear won the the inaugural edition 1932. It was at the Phoenix Country Club. He won it by five strokes over John Pirelli. The tournament was held in 1932, 33, 35, 39, 40, and every year from 1944 to the present. This marks the 37th time the tournament will be held at TPC uh, Scottsdale. The words waste management, as I noted, are no longer part of the tournament name. The company rebranded to WM. This is the eighth oldest event in the PGA Tour. It's the third oldest event that is uh, permanently held west of the Mississippi River. Only the Valero Texas Open, which started in 1922, and the Genesis Invitational, which started in 1926 are older. The other older events on tour are, of course, the Open 1860, the U.S. Open 1895, the BMW Championship 1899, the RBC Canadian, which was 1904, and the PGA Championship, which is 1916. This is the second of the PGA Tour 17 designated events for the 22-23 season, which will feature the top players on the Tour's 2022 Player Impact Program. Uh, if eligible, of the 23 leaders on the 22 PIP standings who are expected to play in the designated event, 20 are currently in the field this week. Adam Scott, Tiger Woods, and Will Zalatoris are not playing this week. As of Tuesday afternoon, the field is 134 players. Alternates will not be added to the field unless it drops below 132 players. Currently, the field includes eight in the top 10 in the world, including world number one, Rory McIlroy, world number two, Scotty Scheffler, and world number three, John Rahm. Number five, Patrick Cantlay. Number six, Xander Shoffley. Number seven, Colin Morikawa. Number nine, Justin Thomas. And number 10, Matt Fitzpatrick. 22 of the top 25 players in the world in 37 of the top 50. Six past champions, including Scotty Scheffler from 22, Webb Simpson from 20, Ricky Fowler from 19, Gary Woodland from 18, Hideki Matsuyama in 16 and 17, J.B. Holmes in 06 and 08. 
Uh, it's interesting to know Kyle Stanley, who won the event in 2012, is currently second alternate. 19 major champions, including Bradley Sink, Day, Duffner, Fitzpatrick, Lover, uh, Zach Johnson, Lowry, Matsuyama, McElroy, Molinari, Morikawa, Rahm, Scheffler, Simpson, Spieth, Thomas, Walker, and Woodland. All in the field. 11 of 12 winners on the 22-23 PGA Tour are all there. All but AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am winner Justin Rose. On Sunday, February 12th, the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, play the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. That will be at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, which is less than 30 miles from TPC Scottsdale. Can you imagine that? It's just, it's got to be wild out there. This marks the third time with 2008 and 2015 the tournament is scheduled to conclude in the same day as the Super Bowl at State Farm Stadium. In 18, J.B. Holmes won the golf tournament on the day that the New York Giants defeated the New England Patriots 17-14 to deprive the Patriots of an undefeated season. In 2015, Brooks Kepka won the golf on the day when the Patriots rallied from a 10-point deficit in the final quarter to defeat the Seattle Seahawks 28-24. And the Super Bowl was also played in the Phoenix area in 1996 when the golf tournament ended, if you call, uh, with a Saturday finish that year. Since 1973, the event has concluded on the same day as the Super Bowl on all but four occasions, uh, 79, 96, 02, and 10. In 96, the golf tournament had a Saturday finish. As noted, finished one day before that Super Bowl was played in nearby Tempe that year. In 79, the tournament ended one day before the Super Bowl on a Monday. was shortened 54 holes after rain washed out play on Thursday and Friday. The event was played in a different week than the Super Bowl on 02 and 10. The tournament, which has taken to calling itself the People's Open, is considered to have the largest galleries in golf with the largest day of attendance traditionally being Saturday. In 2019, it broke the tour record for the largest single-day crowd of 216,818 during the third round with an overall attendance that year of 719,000-plus. Let that sink in for a second. The Thunderbirds, a civic organization that runs the event, announced after the 2019 tournament that it would no longer release attendance figures, which I find it's interesting. Uh, I, I do not agree with that at all. That, that tells me that, there's, that someone thought that in an interest of propriety, uh, they don't want to release those kind of figures. My question is why? What purpose is served with that other, other than to try to craft an image? The image is, is that people are coming in hundreds and hundreds of thousands to enjoy this event. The People's Open is a big party. It is what it is. They're having a great time. It's a place to be. Whether these people are or are not golfers outside of the definition of this weekend, let them have their fun. Let them enjoy the game and let us all live with it with these amazing numbers. Why hide it? it, it aren't we learning through this whole, whole business that we're going through with Live Golf and more that too much of golf was, was shrouded in trying to project uh, the perfect image all the time instead of just letting it be what it is? We can sort through what we think is what, what good or bad. It doesn't take anything away. The tournament was played at the Phoenix Country Club and the Arizona Country Club before moving to TPC Scottsdale in 1987. Notable winners at TPC Scottsdale include, I love these kind of lists, Paul Azinger in 1987, Mark Kalkovecki, 89, 92, 01, Vijay Singh twice, 95 and 03, Phil Mickelson three times, 96, 05, and 13. And remember the 96 Phil with the, with the helmet on as a student. Brooks Kepka. 15 and 21, Hideki in 16 and 17. I think it's a conquistador helmet, if I'm not mistaken. Gary Woodland in 18, Ricky Fowler in 19. Am I right about that, Dom? It's a conquistador helmet, right? 
I believe that's correct, yes. But I'm not a historian. Let me repeat, I am not a historian. (laughs) Notable winners prior to 1987 included Byron Nelson twice in 39 and 45, Ben Hogan twice in 46 and 47, Bobby Locke in 48, Jimmy Demerit in 49 and 50, Lloyd Mangren in 52 and 53, Gene Littler in 55, 59, and 69, Kerry Middlecoff in 56, Billy Casper in 57, Ken Venturi in 58, Arnold Palmer in 61, 62, and 63, uh, Jack Nicholas in 64, Johnny Miller in 74 and 75, Ben Crenshaw in 79, Calvin Pete in 1985, Arnold Palmer uh, 61, 62, 63, Littler 55, 59, 69, Kalkovecki 89, 92, and 2001, and Phil Mickelson, and again 96, 05, and 13, have the most wins in event history with three each from those men. Kalkovecki and Mickelson won all three of theirs at TPC Scottsdale. Eleven players have won two times. You just heard the list that went through. It includes Hogan, Nelson, Demerit, Mangrum, Miller, Barber, etc. It's amazing. Scotty Scheffler, as you know, is a defending champion. Six players have won in consecutive years. Arnold Palmer won three times in a row, as you just heard, from 61 to 63. Five players have two straight. Hogan, Demerit, Mangrum, Johnny Miller, and Hideki Matsuyama. And when Johnny was doing it in 74 and 75, remember when he was on the Fairways of Life show with us? Don, what was that now, two years ago? I don't even remember how long ago it was. Uh, it was right after he retired from broadcasting with Golf Channel. It had to be more than two years. It was around two years ago. Maybe it might have been three years ago. Yeah, because I think it was just before we started doing the TV side. It was definitely before the TV. Uh, 13 players have made it their first win. And and here I'm going to pick out the names that I think are classic in this list. Of course, Azinger. Tommy Armour III in 1990, who's always been a classic. Jesper Parnovic in 98. Kevin Stadler in 14. How about this? Brooks Kepka in 15. Maiden victory on the PGA Tour. And, of course, Scotty Scheffler last year because once he did that, it opened the floodgates. Says about 11 players, uh, a total of 11, uh, nine, beg your pardon, have won a total of 11 times, international players. Again, I'm going to look through this for names that jump out at me. Bobby Locke, David Crampton, uh, or Bruce Crampton, David Graham, Sandy Lyle, Aaron Baddeley in uh, 2007. Every winning score at TPC Scottsdale has been double digits under par. The last time the tournament score was single digits was Jerry Pate when he won at the Phoenix Country Club in 77. I love this history stuff. Every winner since the year 2000 has been 14 under or better, including the 22 champion, Scotty Scheffler, finished 16 under par. In 2001, Mark Kalkovecki recorded the then lowest 72-hole score event aggregate score in the PGA Tour of the 256 total. That broke Mike Suchek's 46-year-old mark of 257 at the 55 Valero Texas Open. Kalk's 256 is now tied for fourth lowest aggregate in PGA Tour history. The current record is 253 by Justin Thomas at the 2017 Sony Open. Remember when he had the 59? Dustin Johnson, the 2020 Northern Trust, followed by 254 by Tommy Armour III at the 2003 Valero Texas Open. This is one of seven PGA Tour records Kalkovecki has set in the 2001 Phoenix Open. 
Only one of those records still stands. Kalkovecki's 32 birdies is still the most ever in a 72-hole tournament. John Rahm was amongst those that tied it at the 22 Century Tournament of Champions. I absolutely love this stuff. So I, because I know you guys are constantly feeding in messages as we're on the air, and Dom has fun featuring those. By the way, Dom, did you, did you do a, a survey of some kind today? I did. And what is it today? I do these things. I don't just... Who's the goat? Is it Tiger or Jack? I also put in other category, but that's not going to get any votes. <laughs> right. Right. So what is... What's, I, what's the vote? I tried to be journalistic at? about it. I'm sure there's a fan out there. Some person... Oh, it's this person. But it's not. <laughs> and and who, who is the... Who's the goat by the, by the reaction of the people? The well, it's over. early in the voting right now, but it's around 70-30 for Tiger at the moment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good argument can be made for anybody about that. And I'm, I'm also interested in this event that will be getting underway today, which I think is a lot of fun. I remember I used to have debates uh, back in the day. I think he's changed his perspective on it now, uh, Eamon Lynch. He told me he had he, uh, the writer for Golf Week, and he does a lot of work for us at Golf Channel. Uh, he used to hate it, but I do believe he softened his stance on that. I saw that they were broadcasting live out there. Uh, yesterday for for golf today i'm heading up this weekend i'll be hosting golf channel i'll be doing golf today on monday i think i have college central uh, golf central on monday then golf central uh, through the middle part of the week anyway uh i like the event i think it's it's very different than what we see on in other tour events Uh, i find that the closest thing that i can compare it to that i really enjoy obviously is the travelers uh, the Travelers has has a similar vibe in terms of bring the people in, get them close to the action, let them have fun. I mean, I'm not suggesting that it's, it's WM Phoenix Open because I think it stands alone in terms of what it is. I'm just talking about something that I think is close. Uh, as I mentioned to you as I was going through that history stuff, which I really enjoyed, was th- this event brings in people that probably won't touch the game of golf by any of the defined measures uh, for the whole rest of the year. This is when they do it. And yeah, part of it is to, you know, kind of seen and be seen situation. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, they're, they're figuring out what they're going to wear and all the rest. And, and if the weather is warm, like Don, would you do me a favor and let me know what the weather's going to be in Scottsdale in the next couple of days? Uh, if the weather is warm, especially there around 16, it ends up becoming, it feels a little bit like, uh, you know, a, a college football in the SEC game on a hot day where, where half the crowd's, you know, taking their clothes off to, to stay cool. And, and it, it's just so unique. It's just, it is what it is. As I mentioned, I, as I went on a mini tirade there, I totally disagree with, with the prospect of not releasing numbers. Because when you don't release numbers, when we all can see that the crowds are mas- massive, it makes you go, why? What purpose is served by not telling us what the numbers are? Other than the fact that you're trying to, to craft through the lack of information, some image of what? Of a refined golf state? Because it's not a refined golf state. We can see that. I mean, last year there were so many beer cans thrown down on, on the 16th green that I actually thought it was flat out dangerous. Again, if it's an empty tin, who cares, right? It's going to bounce off somebody. But a lot of those weren't. They were full enough that they actually left indentations in the greens. That was dangerous. That was flat out dangerous. And everyone says, oh, what if it hit a player? Yeah, okay. What if it hit a player? That's bad. 
but players aren't the only ones surrounding those holes. You've got security, you've got workers, you've got volunteers. They're all human beings. They all could have been hurt. So that's a, that's a thing that, that worried me the most because all those other people that I was just mentioning to you are on the perimeter. So it's easier to hit them by accident because you're throwing something down from, from a height. But the, some, of those, some of those cans that were thrown were full. So I'm hoping that they, to me, it seems like a pretty easy thing to fix. Just serve your beer in red cups, right? How many baseball stadiums do that? Just do that. Just if, if people want to throw red cups, who cares, right? So anyway, I, I think the event is great. Uh, I, I would like to know what the numbers are because I think it's good for golf to know what the numbers are. I think, I think not releasing numbers makes me feel like kind of old-time golf where, where things are kind of hidden behind shadows and image are tried to be portray, portrayed of what something is instead of telling it as, as it really is. When I say what something is, it's as what, what they want something to be perceived by instead of it being exactly what it is, which is a massive, just crazy party centered around a professional sporting event on the PGA Tour. Great. Let it be. Let it be. The people's open. We got a lot coming up in the Fairways of Life show. It's presented by the PGA Tour Superstore. They are the number one golf retailer in all of the land. I believe the reason why is because of their people. They are true professionals. When you go in there, they're not trying to sell you ammunition or a fishing pole or exercise equipment. They're trying to make sure that what you need to make your game the very, very best is what you leave that store with, whether you wear it, whether you swing it, whether you learn from it. They are the best in the business, and it shows. You guys are reacting from coast to coast as they continue to grow and expand. PGATourSuperstore.com is a website. Great place to get started. We're just getting started on this, on this Thursday. Stay with us. So many options. That's what I play. What? Yeah, definitely. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Press the green button and start your journey at ireland.com slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover. Designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit. 
and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. It's as easy as 5-2-3. Doesn't get any easier. This Houdini soul is like magic. When you just need to launch it. I wish more of my pro-am partners had these. I wish more of everybody had these. Because golf is hard. So make it easier. Make it 5-2-3-easier. If there was a trophy for the most forgiving clubs, these would win every year. You want to talk about winning? You know he knows a bit about that. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time so you feel where you are in your golf swing. Transition, plus 4.2 inches. Length of backswing, 50.3 inches. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. Welcome back to the Fairways Life Show. Pleasure to have your company, folks. DeWiz is uh, really getting a lot of traction. You just saw that spot that we ran there at the end of our commercial break. DeWizGolf.com, again, just to reiterate that. I love the fact that people are starting to realize how special this is. This technology do- literally doesn't exist anyplace else. So as good a job as their own commercial does in, in saying to you, hey, this is why it's special, I think it's missing out on some huge points, That that being that The technology doesn't exist anywhere else. You cannot get the information that it gives you anywhere. Uh, If you check out some of our social media platforms, you'll see some of the stuff I'm starting to post with Stan the Man. And we were were working on, uh, we did one on Swing Plane. We did one on Hand Path. uh, We did one one on Speed. All of these different things that, that you can measure with DeWiz. And there's way more than that. Now, in his case, you know, Stan's a touring professional, a DP World Tour with uh, Challenge Tour status. But so what, what is he looking for? What he's looking for is consistency of numbers, obviously. For the rest of the world, what are we looking for? What is it you need to work on your swing? What is it about your swing that you know has vexed you maybe for your entire life? I, I, know, I know where my weakness is. It's, it's what, remember Austin Cook was talking about it yesterday? He said he gets up here, and in my case, it's because of fa- failing to turn fully back. Get up here, and your hands try to cheat it and complete the swing. So you overswing, you cross the line, you have to reroute it coming back down. Right? Sound familiar for some people? That's the kind of stuff you can measure. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. So, Dom, did you get the weather going on out in Scottsdale this week? And, and uh, Yeah, for the Super Bowl, too. Uh, yes, I sure do have the weather. Um, what, this weather is directly from the PGA Tour, so it is official, very official, I should say. Well, I, I, I uh, assume you weren't getting is, it from the Thunderbirds because they don't want us to know what the weather is. Well, well, you could get it, you know, there's lots of places you can get weather these days. It's just They've announced that they are not giving out the weather this year. What you believe. Uh, essentially, the weather is flawless with a little bit of wind. We're looking at mid to high 70s, all four days of competition. Uh, the wind today and tomorrow, east, northeast, 10 to 20. So that's a real thing. Uh, over the weekend, the winds will be in the single digits. 
maybe gusting to the, the to the double digits, but it, the wind should be a little bit more negligible on the weekend. But 72, 75, 77, great weather for the Super Bowl, great weather for the WM Phoenix Open. It's going to be pretty awesome. Zero, I mean, zero uh, percent uh, precipitation chance across the, the desert. Board. Good. Nothing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Again, I don't know why the Thunderbirds aren't releasing the attendance. I'd like to get an answer on that, Dom, if we could, if you could do some research and see if they have an official reason for that other than just, it just seems like so old time, just old time philosophies on golf, like worried that somehow it's going to project an image that too many people are having too good a time around the game. It makes no sense to me. It just makes no sense. Uh so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in what that means. Uh, the odds for the Super Bowl I saw last night when I was looking up was 1.5. Have you seen? Has that changed this morning? Is it still basically almost a coin toss? It depends who you're using as a barometer because the odds aren't the same everywhere. But, yes, in general, it's a wash. Everyone is kind of in agreement that these teams are, are pretty evenly matched, um, even though they're not. But whatever. What do I know? I like you, you put that little piece in there, even though they're not. Rory McIlroy, world number one, as you heard, is amongst those who are competing this week. And he started his press conference, and he talked about a lot of different things. He was asked about, hey, you're world number one. Do you feel like you're world number one? We opened the show with his comments and that. You're going to hear that again. Um, what about your win out in the desert and on the DP World Tour, the other desert? Uh, how did that kickstart your season? How do you feel? Do you feel like right now in, in your middle 30s that you're playing the best golf of your life, which is saying something because he, he's a four-time major champion with everything that he's done. Uh, we talked about some changes with his wedges and his long game. Uh, what he was talking about specifically is, are the irons that he's using. In other words, more of a muscle back style versus more of a cavity back style, which I th- the reason why we put that in there is I think you're going to find it Absolutely amazing. But we'll start it out by this question, Roy. Uh, some thoughts on being back here and making your PGA Tour 2023 debut at the WM Phoenix Open. I feel like it's been a while since I've played on the PGA Tour. Um, last October, I guess. Um, but yeah, been a, look, it's been a good start to the year. Um, you know, winning over in Dubai. And yeah, making my second start here. I, I haven't uh, had the full experience of this event yet. It was limited fans in 21 with only 5,000 people. So, um, don't want to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it this week in some ways, but um, it's going to be an experience. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think when you know we started talking about trying to elevate or designate some events, I think this was you know one of the first ones on the list just because. Um, it's such a fan favorite and, um, you know, players, players like it, players love the atmosphere. Um, I think a lot of players like the golf course as well. Um, so yeah, it was a a pretty, um, sort of obvious one to, to sort of make a, you know, it was already a huge event, but, but even bigger. So happy to be here and looking forward to the week. It feels like a long time ago, the tour championship and, and CJ cup, but, um, yeah, look, I've, I've been on a really good run of form. Um, basically, you know, all the last year, uh, yeah, I just, I, I feel like I'm just in a really good place with my game and, and really I have a lot of continuity in it and a lot of consistency and, um, yeah, just basically working on the same things and, and trying to refine things, but 
yeah, I, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's another opportunity to go out there this week and um, you know try to play at at, at my best, and um, you know, hopefully, if I do that, I'll, I'll have another chance to win a, a big golf tournament. Rory, technically, you are world number one. I'm just curious, do you feel like you're the best player in the world right now? Yes. Why is that? Because I do. Uh, <laughs> I. I'm playing well. I feel like consistency-wise, um, I've I've been as good as I have been ever in my career. Uh, you know, I said at the end of last year, I feel like um, as complete of a player as I ever have. If you just look at my statistical categories, there's there's no real glaring weaknesses there, and um, I've I've worked really hard on that to try to become a more well-rounded player. And uh, you know, I've you know, I think the results um, speak for themselves as well over the, you know, not just the past six months, but really the past 18 months, you know, post Ryder Cup, um, whistling straights. You know, I, I feel like I've been on a on a really good run of form since then. No, I don't think I need to, to fix what's, uh, you know, what's working pretty well. Um, again, like... like I can sit here and say I want to win six times this year and I want to win the Masters and I want to win whatever. It's like, of course, like everyone wants to do that, but what helps me get to that point? So um, for me, there's certain areas in my game that I know if I can keep as, as strong and as sharp as, as possible, uh, it'll help me achieve those goals. So like those those goals are outcome goals and that's that's great, but you know, what do you have to put into uh, to give yourself a chance at those outcomes, and, and that's that's the important thing. Yeah, it does. Um, I think the the manner in which I won, like I didn't have my best stuff all week in Dubai, but I was able to sort of piece it together and birdie the holes that I should birdie, and and you know, you know, there were some good par saves in there, but uh, I, you know, I, I knew I needed to tidy some stuff up. So as soon as I got home to Florida last week, I. You know, got on the range and started to practice and work on some things, and feel like my game's in a in a better place now than it was um, basically like this time a week ago. So, uh, but it's nice. It's nice to you know get that first start of the year out of the way, um, see where you know the, the areas are to improve, and you know I feel like I've um, done some good work over the past sort of six or seven days, and as I said, feel a bit better because of it. Um, rarer than I'd like it to be. Um, I think that's the. I think I said afterwards. You know, it's 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 one of the. I mean, it's one of the things that made Tiger stand out all those years is he was able to win golf tournaments when he wasn't at his best. And like, I'm not comparing myself for one minute to Tiger Woods, but um, if I can get better at sort of piecing it together and not, you know, not getting. Um, not wanting to play perfect golf to, to win golf tournaments. I, you know, I didn't react to bad shots. I sort of had a two-way miss off the tee. You know, there was a bunch of stuff going on, but I was just able to, you know, put that behind me and, and really win with my, my short game and my putting and, and my ability just to manage, manage my game. I mean, it's probably easier to do bigger events because, you know, you don't have to make a ton of birdies. Like, I, you know, looking back, I shot 19 under par in Dubai. I'm like, how, how did I do that? How did I, you know, get to that score? But um, I think at the bigger events, like, you know, US Open last year is a perfect example. I didn't feel like I had my best, but I was able to sort of get it around and make par saves and um, not get too frustrated with it. So, and, you know, you know, 
you don't have to, you certainly don't have to get the 19 under at a US Open. It would help, but um, you know, you know you're just got to hang around. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I should be up here if I thought my best days weren't ahead of me, right? Like, I can't be sitting up here and, and talking to you guys and, and trying to win golf tournaments if I think that the glory days are gone, right? Like, I, you know, you have to be a, an eternal optimist in this game, and I 100% believe that, you know, I, I can still not, you know, I've, I've won 30 whatever times around the world as a professional there's there's no reason that I can't double that number going forward like I I truly believe that so um like who knows whenever you've peaked or not peaked I mean I you know I'm guilty of looking back to 2014 and 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 thinking about how I played then and is there certain things from that time of my career I'd want to put into my own career at the minute but um when I look at everything and I look at the statistical categories, like I've never, you know, I said at the start of this press conference, I've, I don't feel like I've ever been as complete of a player as I am right now. The highs were very high back then, but I had some lows too. Um, but where I feel like my my uh, my base level now is just a little more, is a little higher and a little more consistent. This is my uh, first year of my new deal with with TaylorMade, and they they give me just a little bit of flexibility with with some of the clubs that I can play. Um, yeah, so that was really it. I was messing around with Justin. I see Justin Thomas all, all the time at home and messing around with some of his wedges and some of the grinds he has. And um, you know, I got in touch and ordered a couple, and um, you know, they've they've worked really nicely. And then this week as well, I feel by going back to that 760 long iron and the three and the four iron, um, just to give me a bit more extra flight into the par fives. I just feel like sometimes with the three and the four iron and the blades, they can come in a little flat at times where, you know, the par fives and the second shots into the par fives specifically this week are very, very important. So I thought just having a little bit more flight on those long irons could be, could be helpful. Do you prefer that, that 760 to some of the newer models just because of the look of it? Is that really the It's a little bit of a shorter blade length. Um, sometimes... The, the newer models, whether it be the 770 or the 790, it's a it's a bit of a longer blade length, and I feel like the toe just wants to close over on me a little. So um, instead of having to mess around with weighting or different shafts or anything, I, I you know, I've played those 760s bef before, and and they've worked really well. So it was just a, an easy transition. I think they've been great. So I think Max was really insightful in uh, in Tory Pines, and then Keith Mitchell last week in at Pebble. I thought. They were really good, and I, it's, it's very um, unintrusive, right? You just put an air, AirPod in your ear, and, and you know you just have a chat with um, with the, the guys in the studio. So um, I'll, it would take a little bit of convincing for me, but I'd, I'd certainly be be open to it. Um, but you know, given the last couple of weeks and, and how well I think it's been received, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly be open to it. That statement from world number one Rory McIlroy, though the last, he made a lot of really interesting statements through that soundbite that we put together for you that John did. The fact that he's willing to do the in-tournament interview, like Max Homa did, like Keith Mitchell did, those two, those two guys, the last two tournaments, is absolutely massive. And it kind of goes back to that same conversation that I'm having this morning where I'm railing against the fact that we're not allowed to know what the actual numbers are of people that attend the event this week. Golf is better when it's open. Golf is better when it, when, it, when it doesn't have 
walls of secrecy and, and curtains that are drawn to say, no, you're, it's not right for you to see this part of it, what's going on here. Uh, the fact that Rory, who's been around for a long, long time, is saying, yeah, it might take me a little bit of convincing, but it's, it was so well received that I'd be open to it, is massive. That is huge. Because I believe that, that all of the other guys leading up to this, and these are people that we like that haven't done this yet. You know, the Justin Thomases and the Jordan Spees, very popular players, Rory McIlroy, right? That haven't done it. I don't, in fairness to them, maybe they haven't been asked, but they haven't done it. That, that's, that's the fact that we do know without knowing more, being able to peer behind the curtain, right? And I believe that prior to that, the template was based upon the two dominant players from the prior two decades, which were Tiger and Phil Mickelson. I believe in Tiger's case, he wouldn't have done it because Tiger was Ben Hogan-like in terms of his focus. I just don't think that that was who he is, who he was. Maybe different now. I'd be curious what he have to say about that. I'm sure someone will ask him at some point in the, in the weeks and months that lie in store. But back in the day, I just don't think he would have done it. And again, not because I'm judging whether it's right or wrong. It just wasn't Tiger. It wasn't his personality. Phil's case, I think, is a little bit different. I, I, I actually think Phil would have done it back in the day, but when Phil was at the height of his powers through, through those decades, Phil controlled the media like he was some type of uh, dictatorship. Everything he said had intent. There was an agenda behind it. Good, bad, or indifferent. You can be the huge, biggest fan of, of Phil in the world, and you can't deny what we're saying. It just, and I'm, I'm saying it as fact, not as a judgment. He just controlled everything. It's hard to control everything when you're in a live scenario and someone goes, hey, uh, Phil, you knew that the ball could run through the fairway. You knew that the trouble was on the right side. You chose to try to cut it there. Why didn't you just hit a safe club out to the left and give yourself the angle in? A little longer club, but you're talking maybe a seven iron versus a wedge or a nine iron. What What was the thought process there? And given as witty as, as Phil is, he probably would have come up with a pretty funny answer. I mean, guessing it would have been something along the lines of, because if I pulled the shot off, you guys would have called me a genius. And because I didn't pull the shot off, you guys are criticizing the decision, right? It would have been a good give and take. Doesn't that kind of sound like a, a, a Phil Mickelson conversation when it's off the... He can do it. It's just for years he wouldn't do it. And he's still kind of not doing it, even though Phil has reintroduced himself into social media and he's trying to mix it up there. Obviously, either Phil or his team have determined that if if their agenda was, let's wait until the dust settles on everything that took place in the year plus prior. And maybe now they think the dust has settled. And he's kind of out there barking again in, um, in the social media circles. And some of it is pretty funny stuff. Some of it is very Phil type stuff, but I'm guessing that he needs to assert himself there. Maybe part of it is just the, uh, how did Dan Patrick phrase it yesterday? He was talking about Aaron Rodgers and they were, they were trying to speculate whether Aaron Rodgers would, what, you know, would he retire or is he going to go to another team, which is the general consensus seemingly, uh, but where would he go? And Dan Patrick made a comment that I, that I thought was, was really interesting and insightful. And he said that um, for a lot of these guys, they get addicted to the attention. They like the, to be able to get away. They like their own space, but they're addicted to the attention. 
which is a really interesting way to, to phrase it, I thought. I, I haven't heard it that way before, and it seemed to make a lot of sense. Uh, Phil Mickelson strikes me as one who's addicted to the attention. That's just his nature. Uh, so I also think that he, that he needs to get back out in these social circles again, social media circles, if you please, uh, because of his commercial engagements, whether as an ambassador or as an equity owner or whatever the particular relationship he has with these different companies. I think that's, my guess is that that's also part of it too. Oh, fun to speculate on these different things. Is it not? The Fairways of Life show is presented in part by PXG. PXG.com is where you can log on to find out more information about everything they have in store, including their great new clubs and the announcement that we made yesterday with the PXG Extreme Golf Balls. Check them all out at pxg.com and see why PXG is disrupting the golf industry and find out if any at all is right for you. Back with more. I guess hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Do you feel where you are in your golf swing? Transition plus four point two inches. Length of backswing fifty point three inches. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. That's what I play. What? Yeah, definitely. Nothing feels quite like hitting a PXG iron. That's because we use hollow body construction coupled with the thinnest club face in golf and a vibration absorbing polymer. These technologies make hitting our irons feel soft as warm butter on a hot biscuit and create a bigger sweet spot, which means more forgiveness, better distance, and lower scores. Play PXG and see how sweet, real power, and incredible forgiveness can be. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery and visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. 
Press the green button and start your journey at Ireland.com slash golf. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show game day on the PGA Tour, the WM Phoenix Open as it's now known. Coverage beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern time today on Golf Channel, same time, same bat channel tomorrow. 3 p.m. Eastern time will be the start time. I'll, I'll give you the air times. Why not? For, for As we go through the rest of the weekend, 1 p.m. on Golf Channel on Saturday and Sunday and 3 p.m. on CBS. Hey, Dom, who has the Super Bowl this year? Coverage. Oh, God, I don't even know. I think it's probably Fox. It's usually Fox. Let's see. Super Bowl. It shows you how much I care about the, the stupid announcers and the cover. Like, I don't. Like, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I don't care what channel it's on. I mean, but haven't even though it's even though it's my business, but haven't hasn't the the networks always made the mistake, the belief that announcers somehow really matter in a broadcast. If an announcer's bad, it, it matters. But if but if if you've got a slew of good announcers and people who are good at what they do and capable of handling it, after that, does anybody care? No, I certainly could care less. I don't. I would be curious for those watching you right now. Like if you're watching on YouTube, I'd like to hear your comments. Do you? I mean, I guess it's even it's even more generic than that, Matt. Can you imagine choosing not to watch a Super Bowl because of a channel that it's on? It wouldn't even I wouldn't think it would even cross the mind of a fan to even think like that. They're gonna watch whatever channel it's on. True. I mean, I, I do think Summerall and Madden were a great team. And I think that John Madden doing the color on a football game was fun because of the way he's like, oh, then, then you gotta, then, then they come from the outside. You know, that whole, it just, it sounded excitable and all the rest. Uh, but, you know, I just think about like the way that the different networks approached it. Uh, who was, look at, which illustrates, uh, who was the guy that was on Fox that went to, to ESPN? He was like Fox's Troy guy. For, no, 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 no. Joe Buck. He was like their guy. For, for anything huge that was going on. And I've seen the way television executives, when he was around, you know, treating him like he was some kind of broadcasting god. And I'm not saying he didn't do a good job. He did do a good job. But I just don't get how there wasn't a thousand other guys that do what he does that could do that. In all fairness, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to be complimentary to the field. And it's just interesting the way that it goes. You know, uh, I feel differently about Fox someone like a Jim Nance. This year, by the way. Fox is the network? Yeah. Case it's a point. rotation. I don't know if you knew that. but I, all, I did know it was a rotation, but I don't know who has it. a huge deal with the NFL. So each partner, they've worked it out in addition to the game. Like, you know, CBS always has the AFC games, right? So yeah. next year, CBS. And then it's NBC and ABC and then CBS and then Fox. And they just literally do it on a rotation. Yeah. Yeah. CBS also has the... Uh, FedEx Cup playoffs this year and on that rotation that Dom was talking about. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting. And, and I, I think that, you know, I've watched, I watched a lot of the, uh, the NFL playoffs on Fox because of the way they'd go from one network to the other network on the, on the weekends. Right. And I don't remember that. And again, I'm not saying this as a judgment. I do not remember the name of the host, but the host is very good. Does a great job. Right, so I do think when we talk about an announcer and how an announcer doesn't matter towards a game, I don't disagree with that. I don't think anyone would not watch a game because of what network is broadcasting it. Uh, if an announcer is really bad, it 
doesn't enhance the broadcast too much, but I wonder for what percentage of people watching the Super Bowl never hear the sound. I would, I don't know if I'd say a majority, but a lot. One yeah. in four, probably. You know, it's, it's like one of the things I've always thought like the Super Bowl is such a big deal. I almost think like Monday should be some form of holiday. I don't know whether you call it, you know, Super Bowl day or whatever. But it almost seems like, you know, there's so much vested in that. Like here we're having this conversation and, and what's the context? Why aren't people listening to the Super Bowl? Because you're out somewhere or you're with people. For a lot of people, right? There's a hundred and uh, last time I saw the, the ratings, it was 150 million people that will watch the Super Bowl, and I bet the number is going to be even higher this year because of the, because of the teams and the storylines and all the rest. But 150 million, I would venture to guess that two thirds of that number, maybe higher, are watching the Super Bowl with other people. And yes, I'm sure there's that place where one person is screaming, going, "Quiet down, quiet down! I can't hear." Okay. But I think for the vast majority, they just, they're just taking it in as it, as it comes. They're, they know the game, most people well enough to know what's going on. So I don't know, just, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, what are you hearing from the people? That Dom? number's you... a little lower than you said, FYI, but yes, what is it? everything you're said is mostly on point. The, the ratings for the Super Bowl, I'm just looking them up now to confirm they're not quite 150 million. It's closer to 110 or 115 million. Okay. Fair enough. What are you hearing from the people, though, when you ask that question about does it matter? Then I got to ask you about your survey, too. Uh, most of them are just saying, Fox, Fox, Fox. They're all saying it's Fox, you idiot. They're telling Apparently you it's Fox. They're like, Fox, really you idiot, know. it's Fox. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but I, didn't, I don't care. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday. You go to the TV, and the TV will say, here's the Super Bowl channel. You just click on it. You don't have to. I don't know. I don't care who's got I'm going to watch it on mute. I watch most football games on mute. I, I'll, oh, here. I'll find a... One thing I will say, though, is I forgot to mention the GOAT thing because uh, we're almost at the end of the show here. Tiger is at 58% now with Jack at 42%. And that other category that I inexplicably put in there is still at zero <laughs> with well, no votes. Yeah. <laughs> 42, 58 is pretty... I don't know why. That's pretty interesting, and it's interesting to me that it's starting to balance. As it's really interesting how your surveys go, because when you first put them out, there's almost always an extreme in terms of the answer, and then they tend to mitigate or balance more as the show goes on. It's just interesting how that goes. Uh, I know that in this conversation of who is the goat, that you and Andrew have worked hard on a variety of different information. You want to give us a broad brush on, on what you've put together? Yeah, I mean, we ha- we'll have time to go through this stuff, Matt, over the coming weeks and months. But I think the LeBron James all-time scoring record has sort of re-sparked the idea of, you know, who is the GOAT in basketball. There's been a lot of discussion between him and MJ. And that inevitably, right, because as Tiger is winding down his career, some would say it's ostensibly over it sort of re-sparks the Tiger versus Jack debate. And I think it's it's just, it's very similar in nature. I think it's, you could make a very strong argument for both LeBron and Jordan. And I think it's the same thing with Jack and Tiger. And so we'll have time to go over this, like I said, over the coming weeks and months. But I put together 
sort of what I would call it a, a, a collection of statistics. We have a Jack Nicholas era of players with tour wins and majors, and we have a Tiger Woods era with a collection of players of tour wins and, and majors. And the little, the little, I'm just going to give you one stat here just to wet your whistle. If you add up all the, the, the PGA Tour wins, all the PGA Tour wins over so many years of the Jack era and the Tiger era, 448 Tour wins total with all these players that I'm talking about in the Tiger era. 439 wins in the Jack era. Total wow. Tour wins. The, the difference between, with all the stuff that I put together and compiled, not even thinking about it, just here are the best players in this era, here are the best players here, here's how many majors they won, here's who they had to battle against, blah, 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 blah. The separation between them after all those years when you compile that is like nothing with the total number of wins. And then this is the last thing, I'll, I'll finish with this. Again, to, to show you how tight the conversation is, if you look at the two eras in percentages, Jack won 24% of the major championships in his collection of players. If you take just the players I'm talking about sure. in his era. Tiger won 23%. No kidding. Of the major in the in the era. The difference is like it's almost it's almost like com a computer error. The difference is so small, there is no difference. Well, let it's me crazy. ask you this question though. Uh, when you talk about the eras of Jack Nicklaus and, and Tiger Woods, how many years are each of the two respective eras? How do they compare? So Andrew put up a little graphic there. Again, we'll have time to go over this stuff in a future time. But I'm very bad with math, but bear with me with math. Uh, the Jack era is 62 to 86. So what is 24 that, 24 years. years? Yeah. Yeah. The Tiger era is 97 to 2019. So that's 22 years. So the difference wow, is only a two-year. I know what I'm saying. It's crazy. There's so much to go over, Matt. We'll have time to do it. But it, it's just when you break it down, there are layers to this argument that will blow your brain away. Yeah, is, it's pretty it's cool. Insane. The first thing that pops out to me, though, is the 24-year the span for Jack Nicklaus, first of all, for that era, which obviously is defined by his first and his last major championship wins and using the same criteria for – a tiger. Uh, the, the graphic goes. Well, that's not updated. That's what I'm saying. We got time to go over all this stuff, but yes. Um, but in many events, the different, the difference is, and this is where I think that the debate starts to become more heightened is that Jack Nicholas did not suffer major injury through his 24 years. So there was a consistency of performance with that. Tiger Woods suffered I'll call them major injuries. One of them wasn't a major injury. It was it was kind of a social downfalling, but it did he did have to do with personal issues he addressed, et cetera. So you, <laughs> I suppose it would fall under that. Um, and then and then he actually had injuries that he dealt with. So with Tiger, there were sparks, there were flourishes of performance that are without debate. You cannot even debate whether anybody was close because no one was, Jack Nicholas or otherwise. It's just when you, when you look at it in the entirety of span, uh, that's when Jack catches up to him because of his consistency. Uh, it's there, it's there, absolutely there is There's a lot to go over here, and I'm looking okay. forward to talking to you about it in the coming weeks and months because there's a— Well, we'll definitely— we're definitely There's a lot of things I want to bring up. 
That's awesome. We'll definitely feature it on our, our national television show, The Fairways of Life Show, which if you guys get an opportunity, you can watch The Fairways of Life Show. It airs nationally, uh, premiering every weekend. Uh, it depends on where you live, which affiliate is in your area. But our affiliates around the country include uh, NBC Sports. We just started with NBC Sports. Uh, they're based out of Chicago and cover multiple Midwestern states. Uh, we're on New England Sports Network. Uh, Madison Square Garden Network, MSG, is new for 23. A uh, huge, huge network for us. Uh, in the spring, just before the Masters, we're going to kick off with uh, Bally Sports in the South and Southeast, which is another seven or eight states down there. Uh, same time frame, we kick off our season on Bally Sports in Florida. Uh, again, coast to coast, we're talking, as I mentioned, NBC Sports, uh, Nesson, MSG, Bally Sports, uh, AT&T Sportsnet and Root Sports, which go right up through the middle to northwestern part of the country and then swoop down through uh, California, parts of California into uh, Texas and more. Uh, so we are coast-to-coast broadcasting live on the television side, too. And this weekend, the reason why I'm bringing all this up is this weekend we are featuring a show dedicated to Ben Hogan where we have a special guest on who was a friend of Ben Hogan's. And the reason why I'm so excited about it is it gives us an opportunity, and the opportunity is becoming rarer because these people are getting on in years, where we have a chance to hear from someone that knew Ben Hogan, sure, as a legend. He is a legend, and he was, and he was in his time he was a legend, but also knew him as a man. And I think you're going to be absolutely fascinated by some of those stories. We're also going to put together uh, some vignettes on Ben Hogan and who he was in his life. And just hearing that, particularly I'm pausing for a second because the one that we did yesterday on his car accident was so stunning. Just what happened and, and, and what his body went through. It's incredible. And again, you know, we, we talk often about these kind of bridges amongst the greats and, and, and Tiger after his car accident and Ben Hogan after this accident, what the two players respectively had to do and went through uh, is incredible. And now Ben Hogan was younger than Tiger and didn't have as many miles in the chassis either, figuratively or literally there. Uh, but he did win six of his nine majors after that near-fatal car accident, including three of three, three of four, sorry, in 1953. He couldn't get to the PGA because of the schedule conflict. So it's, it's absolutely amazing. So a, a big-time promo, it, please, if you get a chance, uh, catch the Fairways of Life show on an affiliate near you. If you log on to fairwaysoflife.com, you can get more information on that and, and get a chance to see it. Uh, as far as our Boeing golf trip goes, I wanted to mention it so you guys know. It is sold out. Uh, it's been sold out for a while. I can see Andrew queuing up the video. There it is. He's going to wet your whistle with it, but it's. I almost feel like, Andrew, we're teasing the public with this. It is sold out. She's writing me the the Pam the, the the woman that's handling all the reservations at Boeing for us is writing me almost every day going oh we had two more that are saying please let them in they really want to go it's like what are we going to do we don't have any more room it is sold out so I'm telling you that to say thank you that it is sold out our trip that to St Andrews the old course and Carnoustie and more uh, in May is sold out. The trips that we do are selling out because of you guys. I also think it's, it, in fairness, Dom, these trips sell out because uh, people look at them and they compare the price 
and they realize because of our contacts and because of our volume that it's less expensive to go on a trip with us than it would be if they tried to price the same trip and same accommodations and all the rest on their own. They just can't do it. But the reason also that that's happening, and, and this is I'm, I'm mentioning this because I think it is distinctive and we do it as a way to say thank you to you guys. There's no profit built into ours. We don't do it to make money. There's no charge that you guys are paying to hang out with a couple of bums like us. It's we're, we're doing it because we want to do it for you guys to say thank you for allowing us to do what we do. Uh, so as a result, these trips, we, and I don't even know how many we've done now over the years, I would guess it's got to be at least 30, 40 or more. Uh, they, they end up selling out because we get together and we have the time of our lives and these great dinners and go to places like this that you're looking on at your TV screen, Boeing Golf. And uh, Generally, we find that however many people we take in a trip, the direct impact of the trip ends up adding that number times two or three with people that wanted to go, couldn't get on for whatever reason, schedule conflicts or sold out or whatever. And they end up going on their own uh, and taking groups which is great. So you can log on to boinggolf.com for more information on that. Thank you so much for your company. Looking forward to sharing it again as the world of golf continues to march on game day today, 3 p.m. Eastern time for the WM Phoenix Open. If you're listening to me or watching us in North America, you can find it on Golf Channel. Bye for now.